Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. From AccuWeather, this is everything under the sun. Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Friends, we welcome you into our next episode of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. We've reached the beginning of solar summer this week, and for the next three months, we've got the highest solar angles and the highest amount of solar energy coming to us. And that means it must be time to get ready for the summer forecast from AccuWeather.com. Our lead long-range forecaster, Paul Pasolak, standing by to give that to us. We'll also talk some weather history. It was May 6, 1937, when the Hindenburg disaster happened, and Evan Myers will be along to talk about how weather played a role in that disaster. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. All right, friends, as we get ready to talk with our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Pasolak, just a note, if you want to go into the notes section of the podcast here and you can find the link to the story from AccuWeather.com that kind of details the things that we're going to be talking about with Paul, you can follow along there. If you're just listening now, you can go back, get into the notes section and find that story from AccuWeather.com and it kind of lays out more graphically what we're going to talk about with Paul Pasolak about the long-range forecast as we head into the summer season here in 2023. And as we get into this look at the summer forecast, we welcome in our long-range expert, Paul Pasolak, into everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Before we get into the summer stuff, Paul, I want to uh, kind of see where we are. We're, we just started solar summer. Mm-hmm. Can feel it. Man, I was out yesterday, and I got a little zapped on my back of my neck playing a little disc golf. Wasn't thinking about it. So we're, we're, we're into that season. How has the spring forecast held up? Where are we in the last couple of weeks here of traditional spring, and then we'll get led into the the summer forecast. But Mm -hmm. some of the things I know that we were talking about for the spring really came true, that really awful period of weather, (laughs) especially in the Northeast and the Great Lakes, where we were really substandard the last couple of weeks. Certainly had a nice rebound the last week or so. Mm -hmm. Great Lakes, Northeast, some real nice early summer preview warmth. Um, but it seems like the atmosphere is trying to balance out now. Are we in a little bit of a pattern shift here as we're going into the summer months? We're not quite there yet, but there's there's going to be some changes here later this month where we kind of kind of settle back again. We actually started settling back just recently a little bit, not as much severe weather out there. Uh, but it's coming back this week, and then it kind of tapers down again. So kind of back and forth right now, Dean, uh, going on. But you mentioned about the transition and that was something that we hit hard on the spring forecast. We did. It was going to be slow uh, for a large portion of the eastern half of the nation, and man, was it slow. <laughs> it was. There was two weeks there that people were just, they were about ready to uh, send me out into the corner and not want to give their forecast again. I mean, we had snow in central Pennsylvania just last week, uh, and, and you know, look, it's not out of the question, but it's certainly, especially how warm parts of February and March were, and then right. we got into that period late April and first part of May here, where it was uh, pretty interesting that uh, it was so cool and unsettled. One thing that I'm noticing before we, again, get to the summer forecast, 
yes, uh, we're in a dry spell in some areas, especially northeast. I mean, there looks like there's a lot of progressive systems that come through the middle of the country, but then dive more to the south and east. So I think northeast parts of the country next couple of weeks will be a little on the dry side. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that, and we're going to talk a little more about that later, is during the summer, the same deal. We're going to go through those kind of periods, I think, for the northeast. Things to start, uh, you know— yeah, pick up a little bit, and then all of a sudden, like you said, diving to the south, missing out, and it only takes about a week, week and a half in the summertime mm. for things really to start drying out and things start to get uh, kind of iffy. We saw a little bit of that last, last year. Last year, right? Yes. Here in the northeast where we are, we had a great early start of the summer, right. and then it just browned out, and it was brown, 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 mm. brown, and then at the last minute, it perked up right before we got to the end of the growing season. So we're talking with Paul Pasolak, our Long-range expert here leading a, a great team. I know you, we usually do this at the end. Let's talk about the beginning. How many people are on the long-range team at AccuWeather? Oh, I forget the number, but we have we have to actually have to break things into kind of pod sections of people focusing on the severe weather, people focusing on the wildfire, and then we bring it all in together. So there's at least... 15 people that have hands on this forecast, maybe 20. So let's break it down now. We're going into the summer forecast. And, and just so people are aware, when AccuWeather talks summer forecast, we talk meteorological summer, um, yes. June, the beginning of June, uh, the all entirety of uh, July and the entirety of August. That's meteorological summer. Mm -hmm. And let's start, let's go region by region. Is that the best way to do it for you? Let's go west to east. We, so most okay. times we're eccentric at AccuWeather. Sometimes I feel like, but let's let's start out west. Um Stormy winter, transition into the spring where we're less stormy and things have calmed down a little bit out west. Talk to me about the west. I guess we probably want to start in the Pacific Northwest first. We'll start in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, things, you know, they missed out on a lot of moisture that California got. It wasn't as active there. So... They are starting to heat up a little faster. Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of warmth this coming weekend right. that we're talking about. There could be some records near Seattle and Portland. Already. Already. And so they're going to see, but the water temperatures are still cool. So if the flow can change around, it will cool off. So they can see some really extremes up and downs in the first part of the summer season. Later on, more sustained, like we saw similar to last year, more hot dryness. And I think the Northwest especially the interior northwest and northern Rockies, could be under the gun for some significant wildfires. Wildfires, and we had that, what, a couple of years ago? Where I mean, I remember seeing pictures of days on end of uh, smoky gray skies that weren't because of clouds. It was because of all the smoke in the atmosphere. Yeah, the stagnant, the, it, that's going to be the big factor, and that could linger for a while until you start getting back into the wet season in the fall. Let's come down now from the Pacific Northwest to California and the southern western region of the country. Well, you know, in the near term, it's funny. We've been talking about upper-level systems coming out of the Pacific and hitting California for months and months. Months and months, yeah. Now we're going to see two upper-level systems actually coming in from the east. Oh, wow. And, and provide a little late-season action in parts of the Intermountain West and even Sierras as well, California. They can get some more precipitation. It's amazing. <laughs> it still doesn't want to stop, but it's this time coming from the east. But they will dry out. The, the fuels will dry out, and their fire season will be later especially higher elevations where they may still have snow on the ground right. all the way through July. but uh, And the flooding. Uh, flooding, the, the seasonal flood will continue to go on in certain areas, um, and that's going to be a problem at the start. Uh, 
as the season goes on, we'll have to see. I think a lot of low clouds, frequent low clouds and fog events because of the cool water temperatures on the west. A lot of June gloom. Yes. Right. That's what we call it uh, at the early part of the summer out there. All right. So now let's come in a little bit. Uh, let's go southern plains. Mm-hmm. So you're going from like Texas up through, to, let's say, to about St. Louis in that area. Texas is split because I think the high plains, the western plains, uh, will still continue to see mainly dry conditions. They're going to have a wet period here in May, but I think it'll go back to dryness and they'll have to deal with the long-term drought situation. So hotter temperatures in the western part of the plains. Eastern plains, a little bit active. In fact, don't be surprised to see severe weather in parts of Nebraska, Kansas, maybe even into northeast Oklahoma, getting into the Mississippi Valley from time to time in June and July. And that's not typical. Usually their severe weather season starts coming down after about May, right? right? Yeah, so, things are a little sa- farther south this year, I think. All right, so now let's go up farther through the Central Plains and up into the uh, Midwest and, and the Great Lakes. What are you looking at there? I think the worst of the severe weather is, is yet to come. Uh, I think this area could be in line early this summer, the first half. Because of a big battleground between warm, uh, dry air, or I'm sorry, warm, humid air from the south and cooler, dry air from the north trying to battle it out over them. And then you take the, the late season disturbances coming out of the west, coming across that area, kind of meeting that warm, juicy Providing air. the energy. That's the right? path. I yeah. think that's the path this year. It's not trying to lift too far into Canada because there's going to be some sort of a block. So I'd Chicago say. and Detroit, yes. those areas... Down to St. Louis, or St. Louis is a little St. bit Louis too is far. On the southern end. They're okay, on the southern end. And then that goes over to places like Indianapolis, Columbus area. It may at times. I think it's more frequent the farther west you go. But I think I think you're okay there. I think you're going to get some storms uh, during the month of uh, June and maybe early July. Uh, don't be surprised farther north that you get some cool downs. Uh, a little bit of uh, nice, comfortable nights in the first half of the summer season as well behind behind these systems. So that's the, the northern Great Lakes, and then that's, that takes Buffalo. over Buffalo. And so over now into the northeast New England, mm-hmm. let's talk about the entry into summer again. Still at times a little cooler than yes. we might like for stretches. Yeah, still a lot of up and downs. I mean, it's it's kind of almost taking spring and putting it into June, in June standards, of course. Right. But, I mean, it's still some up and downs. We'll have some warm days and then back it off. And then warm days and back it off. I think that's what we're going to be seeing. In the latter part of the season, it may get a little bit more sustained as far as the dry. Dry and, and generally warm. Which is and not unusual. I'm no, sure. it's not unusual, but it's starting to happen more frequently. And, you know, I know the last few summers we've been talking about Late season wildfires in New England uh, seems like uh, two out of the last three or four years we've been talking about that, and that could happen again. Keep in mind, we went what three weeks in April where it was pretty dry, yeah, some minor drought yeah. situations, some fires. We may fall back into that again at times during the latter part of the well, season. Well, there, there's been uh, this last couple of days here as we lead up to this dropping mm-hmm. on Wednesday, there's been some uh, warnings about uh, fire danger for places like Vermont and New Hampshire and, and up into Maine. So if they're already feeling that and, and we're in what's supposedly a wetter season, that could bode uh, problematic. New York City, uh, Philly, Washington, D.C., the Jersey Shore, all of that place uh, where everybody seems to flock to in the Northeastern Corridor this summer. What are we looking at there? You know, I, just kind of a more of a normal type of season. You know Up and I mean? down, some yeah. some warm stretches, some maybe a couple-day heat wave, something the like that. The water is warm offshore again. Uh, that will help influence humidity levels maybe at night. Um, but, you know, up and uh, – I don't see a lot of, you know – extremes at this point. Even the severe weather is, it'll be there at times, but I don't think it's as, 
significant as it is in the Midwest. In the Midwest. Now, now about the Southeast, uh, warm, humid, and stormy at times? Especially the interior Southeast. Uh, We've actually just made that slight change. You probably didn't see the new update No, I haven't. It's starting to come out. We kind of shifted things just a little bit farther, closer to more Atlanta, Birmingham, Alabama, those places, more under the gun for the showers and thunderstorm threat, probably higher humidity levels. Closer to the coast, it may, may, may kind of fizzle out a little bit. They may need a little bit of help from the tropics down the road. Now, um, the long-range forecast certainly plays into what we're thinking about the hurricane season. Of course, mm-hmm. at the end of the you know the, the, the second, well, actually second two-thirds of meteorological summer is in Wisconsin hurricane season. So what, what are we thinking that uh, play up of what we expect in the long range and how that's going to affect the, the hurricane season in the Atlantic Basin? Well, we have a change. El Nino is coming on. Right. It's going to be starting here early in the summer. And the intensity is a little uncertain on how fast it really ramps up. That will make a determination, at least one part of it, of what kind of tropical season we're looking at in the Atlantic Basin. Uh, An El Nino generally disrupts it actually increases the frequency of what we call wind shear, and that's disruptive for development mm. of uh, hurricanes. Especially that, the long track ones exactly. that are trying to come off uh, come off Africa and come across the late season ones. So we've kind of trended towards near to below on the uh, numbers and uh, and the hits as well, you know, not as many hits. And we're still watching along the, the southeast coast. I mean, that looks more prevalent. Uh, but the Bermuda High... Maybe a little bit shifted. This is something we're looking at right now and investigating. Will the Bermuda High be a little farther south and east and not as strong? If that's the case, then these systems will take more turns out to sea on us. Bermuda High, that's something we heard when I was a kid a lot. It seems like it's gone out of favor, but that's because usually during the summer months, a big, broad, expansive area of high pressure centered over Bermuda kind of sets up shop, and as that kind of undulates back and forth at times, if it's moving westward and gets you're into the western periphery of that on the east coast, that's when that warm, hot, sultry air comes mm-hmm. in. And, and so, the storm track. And the storm track. For uh, tropical. So, you know, that's very critical where that positions and how strong it is. It may be a little deflated and farther south and east. That would actually favor more systems either coming up and around and missing the east coast or weak systems going through Mexico. So we're going to keep a close eye to see if that has an impact. That seems like a, a pattern from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Hazy, hot, and humid with that big Bermuda high just sitting over there for weeks at a time where you didn't get much. All right. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, so normally at this point, we're talking to Paul Passlock at our, our long-range expert here at AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com. Usually at this point, you tell me, these are the things that I'm watching and we may have to update. So what are those things? So the things that, you know, after we went through all those regions that, you know, some things that I want to, you and your team want to keep an eye on and we may have to adjust going forward. Well, we've seen a, a, a tremendous decrease in the drought situation across the country. Okay. It's been a downgrade from last year at this time that we talked. Uh, we still have some more concerns in the plain states. Do we see more wet weather from this El Nino? Do we see effects in the summer of this El Nino starting to moisten up the south now and Texas getting wetter than what we have right now? That's something we're watching carefully. Are we too dry in Texas or or is it just going to wait to the fall and winter? So that's one thing we're watching. Okay. The, uh, the, the situation in the Atlantic, there is this cool pocket of water over the northern Atlantic right now. And you guys have probably heard the news about Spain and, and Western Europe being so hot yeah. and, and, and the record set there. There's kind of almost a, a block. There is, because Eastern up. Europe is actually cool and 
cruddy right exactly. now, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Does that block kind of hold or at least come back in the summer and force high pressure to build over the northeast and it gets even hotter than what we expect? Ooh. So that's something we need to watch very carefully as well. It's not on the it's not really it's fuzzy on the forecast models right now. Some say it, some don't. And then the the west, I mean, it, when does wildfire season get going? Right. We're saying late, and I think that's the correct place to be right now but how late is it going to be so those are things that we're going to keep watching and we'll update with paul and his team as we go forward anything else you want to add to this uh, great podcast that we've done here well, and, I, and i think it has been great to yeah be it's... my producer says it's great over there so <laughs> no i don't think i want to add any more we don't want to <laughs> yeah we don't want to spoil it. Spoil it. <laughs> uh we really appreciate you coming in because i think um if you're sitting here planning a vacation on the long range forecast, you're you're not doing your right thing. I mean, yeah. this this is just to give folks trends and thoughts. I mean, I certainly would be ready for some hot spells in the Northeast. I certainly would be ready for storms in the the the, the uh, central part of the country, especially that uh, Great Lakes and Midwest area. And again, you said the the key to the start of the wildfire season will be the big thing in the West. But other than that, go about your business, and we'll keep you up to date on the daily stuff. Right? Absolutely, we'll be back. Always trim, always updating little by little. Here. Little by little. Yep. Paul Passlock, good to be with you here on Everything Under the Sun. Friends, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get some history with Evan Myers. Talk about the Hindenburg disaster, which happened in this first week of May, way back when. We'll talk about that after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Friends, welcome back into Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. As we roll on here in this episode, it is time to bring our history and weather expert in, Evan Myers, to talk about an airship disaster. We talked about one last month, but the one that certainly is indelibled in most of our minds and certainly our ears is the Hindenburg disaster, which happened May 6, 1937. Evan Myers is here with me to talk about that and how weather played a part. Evan, welcome in. Uh, just last month, we talked about a dirigible disaster. Yes. I'm being alliterative here this morning. This is the one, though. Don't ask me to say that word, please. Dir- dirigible? No. Alliterative. Oh, alliterative. Oh, I said it. <laughs> you did. You I did said good. It. And you did ask me to say right, it. Come well, on, Dean. So uh, this is the more famous of the two uh, disasters, uh, yes. the Hindenburg, because I think 
embedded in a lot of people's memories is this amazing soundbite that greeted the world. Flagged up a little bit. It burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's burning and bursting into flames and, and it's falling on the morning grass and all the folks between us. This is terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes in the world. All the humanity and all the passages. It was, uh, must have been quite a sight, Evan, and... Uh, <laughs> You're asking... Now, wait a minute. I I'm know old, that you weren't there. I'm <laughs> older than you are, but I'm not that old. No, but we've seen... We've all seen the the, yes, the, the footage, and we've, we've heard that amazing soundbite. And uh, isn't it on the cover of an old Led Zeppelin album? Mm-hmm. So let's go back. May 6, 1937. One, it was opening its season, because back then, I guess they did... Passages across the Atlantic uh, in the in the spring and the summer, or how yeah, that well, work? So, well, they did it all times of the year, and let's uh, let's set the scene. Okay, uh, the Hindenburg was the largest airship ever built, the largest airship ever built. It was built by Nazi Germany. Hindenburg was the had been the president before Hitler took over, uh, so it was named after him. But it had big swastikas on the side. It was it was a PR statement as well from the Nazis that we showing their power. Yeah, right. we can build this big thing. That can, and it had already crossed the Atlantic once and went to Brazil. Okay, and then it flew back. And you might wonder, like, well, how can it go back against the wind and all this mm. kind of stuff? So it's lighter than air, so it floats, obviously, number one. But it did have propellers on it, able to, to be maneuvered and steered and so on. And right, so you could get in currents, kind of like hawks and those kinds of things do, Exactly, right? and yeah. then it, it had its own power. It, it was kind of like... The combination of an old sailing ship mm-hmm. on, the, on the water that had power at the, right, same at the same time. So so it worked both ways. So here's this dirigible, this lighter-than-air ship that was started its first voyage from Germany to the United States outside of New York City to Lakehurst, New Jersey, where the docking station was. Right. It's, it's interesting. Right, not, right, right, not, right. Not a new media, not a telephone docking station. No, or a, or, or a docking cruise ship station. docking station, right, which well, is on the water. This right, was no, this a, is a big docking station that these lighter-than-air ships uh, docked up to uh, so the folks could um, actually take an elevator down from the ship to the ground. And uh, it was headed uh, toward New York City. Uh, it only had about half the number of passengers that it could hold coming, but going back was fully booked. It was supposed to dock sometime during the afternoon uh, at Lakehurst, but there was a line of thunderstorms that was moving through. And so it was already behind, right, by the well, time? Well, it I- was somewhat behind schedule, and then it actually – they diverted the ship so that it wouldn't land uh, when the thunderstorms right. were going to be there for all kinds of reasons. Lightning could cause problems and obviously the wind and, and so on. So they diverted the ship and they diverted was not supposed to fly over New York City. It was supposed to fly south of New York City, but it actually flew over the city and it was fairly sunny and people came out of the buildings and were standing watching the lighter than airship with, with awe this huge yeah it's not like thing. today when we see the goodyear blimp once in a while and people aren't that uh, taken aback well by they're it, not right? but but the other thing is dean this is bigger than any of those blimps ever right were. so you so this so first it flies over new york city with the big swastika on it it must have caught unnerved a lot of people but because of this line of thunderstorms they steered it out over the water a bit and obviously, meteorologists were that as the line of thunderstorms moved over the water, it would tend to dissipate, and it did. And they brought the ship uh, around, and it was supposed to dock later after about 6, 6.15, something like that, in the late afternoon. 
So you get it docked, and then there was concern, I guess, about uh, the the ropes that were hanging down, whether they would be wet or not, and then, then how that would contribute, and, and that's kind of where we theorize the problems started with this. Well, so the so the the, the mooring lines that were were actually dropped from the ship and the big uh, crane like structure that that were, where the where the ship would dock, and they were kept dry. Uh, they didn't get wet during the storm. They were that was on purpose because if they get wet, they can uh, much easier carry a charge, an electrical generate, charge, generate an electrical. But there's a there's there's a there's a lot of mystery uh, surrounding what exactly happened because. Right. There were a lot of stories that it was sabotaged, that uh, anti-fascist folks wanted to blow up the ship uh, as a statement against the Nazis. There was some uh, feeling that the Nazis actually blew the ship up themselves so that uh, they could use that as and have reprisals against people. So there was all kinds of things. But as people have gone back in history forensically mm. and looked at things it appears it appears the most likely thing is that even though the lines were dry when they were dropped to the ground the ground was very wet right. and the bottom of the of the these big mooring lines became became wet and electrical charges then le- leapt back and forth from the ship and ignited uh, what was the the gas inside the ship and caused it to catch fire and ultimately there was explode. probably a slow leak somewhere, right? Or 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 maybe inventing it. I mean, I, sometimes you have to vent gases. So that well, kind of thing. yeah, they're, they're they're not exactly sure what have hap- what would have happened, but it it it, it was it was hydrogen. Uh, that was filled this and it and it was probably there probably was somewhat of a leak uh, in these these ships. There was always some kind of a small leak and, and was built so that it could withstand something like that. But there was probably an electrical discharge, a spark that occurred when all this thing things occurred. The, seeking the quickest way to the ground, the spark would have jumped from the skin into the metal framework. And that would have ignited the hydrogen, and it exploded. Thirty-five fatalities of the ninety-seven on board, and then a fatality on somebody on the ground. Uh, certainly, as you could hear, the the oh, the humanity. I mean, it, it, it was it was an amazing visual, and uh, certainly a horrific scene for those people. And, and if if you have a chance to look and see uh, what the film of the time, it, it's amazing that anyone in the ship. And people on the ground that were the the, the landing crew that uh, grabbing the mooring lines that anyone survived, let alone you know the majority of people survived. It right. was just it was amazing that they were able to get out that fast. May 6, nineteen thirty seven, the Hindenburg disaster, where weather thunderstorms played a big key. Absolutely. That'll do it for this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. We thank our guests, Evan Myers and Paul Pasolak, and we thank you for listening. Coming up next week and beyond, we'll continue to take a look at things like astronomy and gardening and travel and all the things that you're thinking about as the weather meets your life. We'll do that uh, weekly here for now on AccuWeather.com and Everything Under the Sun. For all of our hundreds of team members across the world that work so hard every day to weatherproof your life, and my executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, we thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com.